Good morning, all. Everyone gathered here in Martin Chapel, also on Facebook Live. We're glad you're here for campus worship today. I expect more people will be trickling in. I'm Brian Martin Burkholder, I'm university chaplain and um, coordinator and host of this space, along with uh, our student chaplains who have been scanning folks in and will scan folks out and welcoming people. Thank you to Clay Showalter for tech support um, today and also this entire semester. Um, Clay, you've been incredibly supportive and we're grateful. Um, at this, as, as this academic year draws to a close, um, let us take stock of our EMU collective voices of lament and hope. This was the idea that came out of our faith and spiritual life um, office, discerning and planning for what we might do toward the end of the semester. Um, leaders from student clubs and faculty groups and staff councils and administrative bodies have been invited to bring a statement of what they are or have been lamenting and where their hopes lie as we consider together what it's been like to live and learn through a pandemic and related social ills, some of which seem like they've gotten worse, harder, more complex. And we define lament and hope this way. Uh, lament, passionate expression of grief, regret, disappointment, and or sorrow. And hope, a feeling of expectation, anticipation and desire for a certain thing to happen. And these are the questions that we, we gave to the groups to consider. Not every group won't respond to every question, but that hopefully it, it invited reflection. And might it for us sitting here, think personally, the groups that you represent, maybe your families, the places where you have affinity. For under lament, what adversity have you faced this year? You might think in recent years. What have you worked to overcome? What have you learned from this adversity? And questions related to hope. What is one of your achievements? What are you looking forward to for the coming year? Perhaps hope, vision, dreams, plans? And how can EMU support you now and in the future? This will be a litany, for sure, a litany of collective voices, one right after the next. And you'll see the list, let's put that up, the list of uh, folks who are here and the groups that are represented, just one right after the next. And reminder for those who come up, um, when it's your turn, just come promptly and introduce yourself and the group that you're related to, and that way we'll, we, we and those online will stay oriented we have an opening song in Voices Together. If you didn't pick up this book as you walked in, uh, I would encourage you to go and get one or raise your hand and a student chaplain could bring it to you. Come on up, Elizabeth and musicians. And following our reflections, our collective voices, uh, Luke Haynes will have an instrumental song of response, Let There Be Peace on Earth. And we'll just flow through the program. Elizabeth. You'll turn to number 706 in Voices Together. So this song is a, it has an echo. And so the first verse, I'll be leading. And then you'll come in the echo with Emma. Second verse, um, I'll lead this, this side in. This side echoes. Third verse, Emma leads. 
this side in, this side that goes. Okay, let's make sure we're starting on the right note. <laughs> Good morning. I am so glad to be here with you at the invitation of Brian and the council that plans these worship services. My name is Courtney Joyner, and I am here representing the seminary. I teach in the seminary in the areas of worship, preaching, and formation, and I'm also the seminary chapel minister. As I have considered the questions that were posed, I was drawn more to the area of hope and the thoughts that those questions engendered. And as I think about hope in this past year, we recognize at the seminary that one of our achievements has been maintaining learning communities in virtual formats. And we are so thankful for the groundwork 
that was laid even before the pandemic began by those who work with our technology systems so that we were able to transition into that. And as we have come back into in-person classes, it's been a beautiful thing to see our community still be able to connect even reaching students who live in Kansas and who live in Missouri and places where they can't travel. So it's allowed for that connectedness among students and professors who are spread far apart geographically. Looking to the coming year, we are excited about the arrival of a new dean of the PATH School, Dr. Daniel Ott, as well as a New Testament professor who will be joining our faculty next year, Dr. Timothy Reardon. We also look forward to new admitted students in the coming months, even as we recognize the gifts of those who are retiring and graduating as being integral parts of our learning community. And we do grieve the loss every year of those who move on, even as we welcome others in. We continue to be grateful for EMU's support of organizational systems that help our seminary to run smoothly for the emphasis on our campus of DEI that has brought energy to our community and for facilitating interdisciplinary engagement that strengthens and expands our work in theological education. We are grateful for the opportunity to reflect on what has given us hope from the past year and how we look forward to the coming year. Thank you. Hi all, I'm Andrea Troyer and I am representing Earthkeepers as the president of the club. So for the past year at EMU, Earthkeepers and other sustainability groups have experienced times of lament and hope. In September, Earthkeepers led a climate strike, which is from this photo on the screen there, um, in solidarity with the greater international community. There's, there's great urgency around climate change like never before, especially with climate reports saying that it's unequivocal that human influence has warmed the atmosphere, ocean, and land. Human-induced climate change is already affecting many weather and climate extremes in every region across the globe. It is a time of lament and grief as we continue to see how the climate crisis is one of many other crises in the world, including mass species extinction, a pandemic, socioeconomic inequality crises such as racism, sexism, ableism, and class inequality. It's important to recognize how those are all intertwined with one another and that we, all of us, are part of the problem and also a part of the solution. Knowing this, we know there's, there are ways that we can support and work towards a more sustainable way of living, particularly here on EMU's campus. So as Earthkeepers, we worked toward these goals in the past fall. We wrote a letter to administration listing our demands of rehiring a sustainability coordinator and meaningful action towards the climate action plan that we have. Um, we initiated a student letter writing campaign and met with President Huxman, Fred Niss, and Tim Stutzman about sustainability at EMU. We also engaged in serious talks around increasing EMU solar power production. In the spring, we met with Jackie Font Guzman um, and we talked about the intersectionality of sustainability in DEI office. We also held town halls around the intersectionality of sustainability and climate action at EMU with Creation Care Council. Um, 
These efforts were initiated by Earthkeepers, but we also had groups of students and faculty supporting and joining us along the way. What gives me hope for, e for the future of Earth EMU Earthkeepers is that students are passionate about these efforts and initiatives we have started. Even though I personally will soon be graduating and moving away from Harrisonburg come August, I will still be cheering on and encouraging those here on campus. I hope that the EMU community can continue to support them along the way and listen to what they have to say. Thank you. Morning, I'm Tara Kishbaugh, and I'm speaking on behalf of our deans, Sue Cockley, Shannon Dykus, uh, David Brubaker, and our provost, Fred Ness. Um, so I'm maybe the opposite in, in the sense that I'm drawn towards the lament, perhaps more than the grief. But I read an essay recently by David Brooks, and he posed this question, what am I to do with an unexpected life? And I think that if grief um, and lament sometimes strike us as unexpected, so must joy and hope. Um, I think our call is to imagine an unexpected future, balancing knowledge and lack of knowledge, being curious, being humble. And sometimes if we're struggling to be grateful, we can take solace in knowing that we will be grateful again. So I'm gonna share a poem by Mary Oliver. She has an amazing knack, born of her experiences and of her practices of holding lament and hope together. When hit with unexpected grief and loss, Mary had the practice of going out into nature. So we're gonna share this poem called Heavy, um, with gratitude to Mary Oliver for her observations. This is from her book, Thirst, which was published after the loss of her beloved partner with whom she had shared her life for 40 years. And slight apologies, because I made a few edits and added some of my own words. So, heavy, my Mary Oliver. We can see the video from Steve Johnson at the same time. That time, that time I thought I could not go any closer to grief without dying. I went closer. And I did not die. Surely God had his hand in this. Surely God had her hand in this. Surely God had their hand in this, as well as friends colleagues, strangers, still. I was bent, and my laughter, as the poet said, was nowhere to be found. Then said my friend Daniel, brave even among lions, it is not the weight you carry, but how you carry it, books, bricks, Grief, it's all in the way we embrace it, we balance it, we carry it when you cannot and would not put it down. So we go practicing. Have you noticed? Have you heard? 
laughter that comes now and again out of my startled mouth. How we linger to admire, admire, admire the things of this world, this community, that are kind and maybe also troubled. Roses in the wind, sunsets on the hill, the sea geese on the steep waves, the bumblebees on the bluebells, a love to which there is no reply. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Felicity Zimmerman, here representing the Sustainable Food Initiative, and I have served as the events coordinator for the club during the past year. If you're unfamiliar with what SFI is and does, we manage the campus gardens, the campus chickens, the weekly food markets, and we're heavily involved with the meal packaging, the leftovers from the cafeteria, and putting them up in our free food room. Over the past year, one of the most difficult things for us has been the garden pos work positions becoming work study only. In the past, we were able to offer work temporary contracts for students that were not work study eligible. And that was really difficult to find enough help in the gardens because a lot of the students that are work study eligible already have another work study job on campus and you can only have one. As a result, we've worked to hold a club meeting in the garden, encourage people to volunteer, and having sign-up sheets for certain tasks that need done. Jessica Chisholm really led our garden this year, and if you enjoyed the produce at markets, thank her for her work. If it wasn't for her, a lot of the things in the garden would not have happened. And we realized just how essential getting people to work in our garden was to our club function. One of our biggest achievements was expanding the free food program here on campus to address food insecurity. We were able to get a room in the Amon Heatwell house that was open 24-7 to, to expand access to that. And if you haven't um, checked that out, it has packaged leftovers from the cafeteria that are frozen as well as non-perishable items. And all students, faculty, and staff are welcome. It's uh, no one's in there for reasons of confidentiality, and so everyone is invited to help themselves to that. We also were able to eliminate a lot of the business aspect from our meetings through weekly leadership meetings and have a lot of wonderful guest speakers at our meetings, including a bread baker, um, and that was really exciting. In the coming year, we're hoping that sustainability can become more integrated into the curriculum at EMU, and we want to get a hoop house cover for our hoop house in the garden so that we can use that. In the coming year, EMU can support us by helping us get people to work in the garden, whether through work temp contracts, offering convocation points for garden work, or incentivizing garden work in other ways. We would also like a sustainability, a sustainability coordinator on campus that can help us to plan and organize events and just really support us in our missions of educating the community about food justice and insecurity and sustainability and pushing for other sustainability initiatives on campus. Thank you.
Good morning. I am Jackie Font, and I am the Executive Director for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, and I'm representing the executive leadership team. Um, I was drawn, actually, to both hope and lament, in part because I really do believe that we live in a world that is shaped by stories of lament and hope and that we can't really separate one from the other. I think through these stories, we learn together, we build community together, we connect with each other, we mourn together, but we also celebrate and hope together. And so some years there's more hope and some years there's more lamenting. Um, my, I hope, I think it balances out by um, through your lifetime, at least that is my hope. Um, and so I wanna share both some laments and hopes, but also what I have learned from those. Um, and this past year for me and my husband has been um, challenging in the sense that we moved um, to a new place. Um, we left the certainty and familiarity of a community we had known for 15 years in Omaha, Nebraska to a new place we had never visited. Um, but we also made new friends in that process. We sold a home and bought a new one without ever seeing it or not even going to the place that we had actually bought it. Um, all of this in the midst of a pandemic. Um, and then, of course, establishing a new Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And so all of that um, has presented some challenges, right? As I started a new job without being able to have that connection face-to-face um, -face with student faculty, staff, and my colleagues at, at ELT and at the university at large. But I did learn a lot through that experience. Um, I affirm that there are good people everywhere. You just need to be willing to open your heart and be vulnerable. I learned that communication is not the same as connecting, and connecting is far more meaningful and long-lasting. I learned that caring is important, is more important than understanding, and I learned that at this point in my life, this is the community I want to serve and be a part of. And I also have some hopes. I have a hope that we all thrive together at EMU, every single one of us. I hope we embrace together change, which is so hard um, to overcome. That we learn how to serve with love, empathy, and compassion in ways that move us forward to change systems that fail to recognize our shared humanity. I strive for active hope, not passive hope. The hope that creates the desire to live to the fullest, to change, and be happy. As a more personal level, I also hope that I can touch the lives of the people that I touch mine in ways that make a positive difference in their lives. I am also hoping to travel more and continue to see the richness of the diversity in our world as the pandemic slowly keeps on coming to an end. And last but not least, how can you best support me? The best way to support me is by holding me accountable in firm and compassionate ways by never hesitating to reach out to me when you have a concern with DEI, by being open to change, and last but not least, by passionately celebrating every milestone we reach together, regardless of how big or small it is. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Annie Beitzel, and I am representing Safe Space this morning. The past year has been one of rebuilding, growth, hope, and sorrow for the Club of Safe Space.
In our club, it is vital that meetings are held in a brave space because we oftentimes have hard conversations. Finding this brave space with COVID presented a challenge. When we finally found a space that worked and that was COVID friendly for us, unfortunately we had a COVID outbreak and we had to scramble to come up with a new plan and a new location. At the same time, we also realized that the hierarchical structure of our club was doing more harm than good. So we decided to rewrite the club constitution. Now, I don't know if any of y'all have ever rewritten a club constitution before, but it's not easy. With this new structure came the challenge of making sure the club needs were met while making sure that all leadership positions were on the same level. Scheduling also became a challenge due to the busy nature of all of the leadership members on the council. While these things might seem trivial, current events were also impacting our safety both mentally and physically. Leah Thomas made headway as the winner of the women's 500 meter freestyle race. She was the first trans woman to make national news for this. Unfortunately, this caused public outcry and anti-trans laws to be made. Oklahoma SB 1100, Tennessee HB 1895, Tennessee SB 2153. What do all of these bills have in common? All of them restrict students' ability to identify themselves and restrict their ability to participate in athletic competitions. Specifically, these bills take away students' rights, specifically trans women, for competing in women's sports. All of us were sick to our stomachs, and we had a discussion about these bills. And of course, the next day, another bill made headlines, the Don't Say Gay Bill from Florida. This bill would erase all talk of sexuality in schools because it would be deemed too inappropriate for specific ages. Of course, this bill has no specific ages specified in this, which means any parent can sue their school district for harms done to their child. That's a lot. So why don't we all take a deep breath and we're gonna go over some hopes in a second. All right. So this year also provided many, many new and exciting opportunities for a safe space. So this is the first year that EMU is hosting a lavender graduation celebration, which specifically focuses on LGBTQIA grads at EMU. EMU also brought in their first openly trans speaker, which was incredible. Us as a club were so excited to be represented. We knew there was backlash and we knew there was going to be people scared, but we didn't care. We wanted this opportunity and we're glad we took it. LGBTQIA plus History Month was also celebrated at EMU, and during this time, Safe Space co-hosted a pride dance with CAC. The dance was a speakeasy type vibe, and only those who signed up knowing the location for safety purposes. We also had the opportunity to work with Connor Sudik on his master's thesis and create a work of art depicting EMU's struggles and hopes of our LGBTQIA plus history. EMU, EMU has come such a long way since the first mention of the community in, 19, in the 1970s. But there is still room for improvement, so my challenge to EMU is to create a new environment on campus that is more inclusive and welcoming to all. My name is Mark Metzler-Sawan and I'm representing the Faculty Senate. Um, I've served as president for the last two years, and in that role, I have learned a lot about the complexity of EMU. Um, we offer 44 majors, 48 minors, 23 graduate programs, 16 academic certificates. We have 80 professors. <laughs> Our pay, on general, has gone up 2% in the last eight years. Inflation has been 
cost of living in Harrisonburg up 18%. Uh, we work hard. <laughs> um, it's a complex place to work. Uh, not surprisingly, um, there's a lot of complaints. There's a lot of struggle. Um, it creates animosity sometimes between faculty and administration. <laughs> COVID adds frustrations all over the place. Students are both inspiring and annoying. <laughs> What's remarkable to me that these are my laments and they're also my hopes. We run 44 majors, 48 minors, 23 graduate programs and 16 certificates with 80-some full-time professors, and they're strong. Um, we are probably pushing the Mennonite axiom of more with less to its breaking point, <laughs> but we're doing it. We struggle to hire new professors sometimes, but the new professors that we've brought in have been really impressive. We struggle to bring in students, but the students that are here are equally, if not more so, impressive. So I remain hopeful, certainly. Um, I still like coming to work far more days than I don't like coming to work. Um, when the faculty eat together at lunch, there is still much hilarity and inappropriateness sometimes, but um, good things are continuing to transpire. Um, EMU seems like a place that's growing and thriving, though it also feels like a place of scarcity and want. And so it's an interesting combination of this lament and hope. Thank you. Hello, I'm Molly Pawanka from MSWA, which is Eastern Mennonites Student Women's Association. And I would say this year has been a pretty tough one for us. Already we've been trying to start into just getting back to how the club used to be run as we had to have a fresh start in the middle of COVID about a year ago. And so we're still trying to just get back. And as we're doing this, just notice this year being faced with a lack of energy and a lot of tiredness and mental health, just trying to take care of oneself. And also just not having a lot of participation from various club members being able to come in and um, share the space and that sort of thing. So just overall wanting like more energy and like excitement and participation and just keep trying and trying and trying to get that and just having a bit of a struggle with that. And then starting into this year, because we had a very slow start and didn't really do much of anything at all in the fall until we got to the student leadership retreat. I really liked what Jackie had to say about um, bringing lament and hope. I also, doing the same thing, I believe you can't have one without the other also. So we, we started into this student leadership retreat 
and MSWAL was presenting, which felt a little odd since we hadn't really done much of anything in the fall. But for me and my VP, it gave us a lot of energy. And then starting into the spring, we were like hoping like, let's get off running, let's get started and do what we can. And thankfully we were able to start doing events and be able to have a lot planned out for Women's History Month. And even though maybe the leadership team kind of slowly depleted as people had different things pulling them in different directions and ended up being me and then Meredith ended up coming on as the, the treasurer. <laughs> Having a president and a treasurer was a very interesting situation, but also I give a lot of thanks to Mary Sprunger for helping us pull through day after day. A few things I want to note that we were able to have happen. We had these wonderful blue lights that are starting to come more on campus to help for people that are scared at night uh, from a, that feel like they might be a victim. And that is not through us, but we are very thankful just to see that change that we wanted to implement ourselves already starting to come. We are able to start many important conversations through a Voices of Women show, which was also including anyone else affected by the patriarchal system. And that show also had what they wore as a part of it to lift up those that have been faced with sexual abuse. We also held a Girl Rises event, which is a wonderful documentary that I re recommend anybody to go see. And we had a Let's Chat About Reproductive Health with Ann Schaefer, all happening within Women's History Month. Lastly, during that month, we also were able to hold a fundraiser for Bridge of Hope, and I mean, there's already hope in the name. That fundraiser brought me so much joy getting to see it come together and seeing various groups and individuals coming together and making packs that we could end up, when we were only planning to have 10 care packages, we ended up with 20 and having people emphasize wanting to see this back in future years, and I couldn't be more exuberant about that. So as we're looking towards the future, just I'm going to not have to step down from leadership this year, and I'm very sad to do so, but this allows for a fresh new leadership, and I'm very excited and hopeful for that. And I believe that any time there is some sort of loss, it comes with rebirth and this beautiful opportunity for this newness to arise. Thank you. Hi, um, I'm Meredith Lehman, and I'm here representing the Young Democrats today. Um, and so, similar to a lot of the folks who've already spoken, um, I guess I'm sort of also drawn to both Lament and Hope and sort of the intersection that exists between them. Um, and specifically how one has led to the other for our club. Um, 
So I guess the very existence of our club to some might sort of signify a divide um, uh, as, as politics increase in polarity, so too does the tendency to reduce others um, to merely their political beliefs. And um, so we really wanted to work to overcome this. Uh, we often reduce people to a single piece of the puzzle that comprises them. Um, we let preconceived social boxes define them, and in the case of politics, automatically equate the positions and decisions of a given party to the identity of its members. I think it's important that um, we continue to have these conversations between uh, people who disagree with each other. And so we really wanted to see um, how we could overcome this issue. We, we asked how can we find a way to encourage political activity and stand for the issues we care about without alienating others. Um, or those opinions who differ, than, uh, differ um, without smothering civil discourse and uh, diversity of thought. And so we made it a goal to mitigate the dehumanization that seems to coexist within politics. Um, and so one of our biggest achievements this year came from our efforts to address this issue. This spring we hosted an event called Finding Common Ground and Common Grounds. Um, and we partnered with the Center for Justice and Peacebuilding um, to facilitate conversation um, through people who were members of various political parties and to sort of seek the gray area that existed in our beliefs um, to, in an attempt to s stop reducing people um, to a given party. Um, and so it was really successful and we had about 75 students show up and we had some great engaging and constructive conversation that happened. Um, and we hope to continue these conversations in the following year to make hard conversations happen, to normalize them. And we hope that EMU helps us continue um, to encourage this sort of civil discourse and interaction with our peers.
grateful for everyone who participated in this Collective Voices opportunity. All clubs and um, student groups and faculty and staff and administrative groups were, were equally invited. I uh, hope that if we do it again that we'll hear from maybe a, an, an entirely new set. There's so many more voices on campus, we acknowledge that. As we wrap up right now, would you continue to consider for yourself, what are you lamenting? Where does hope lie for you? The last year or so has been full of opportunities for reflection, for growth, meeting the challenges and turning challenges then into opportunities and speaking truth to one another, holding one another accountable. The opportunity is here for us. Let's continue to engage with one another, to live into the dream for EMU, the dream for more broadly community nation to be a reality. There are a lot of things happening on campus the next few days. I want to highlight a few, and, and then we'll finish early today as well. Um, th this is another bonus week for events for convocation points. If it, it's bonus, bonus, bonus. If you uh, take a look up here, the Rowdy Royals women's lacrosse game today at 6. Um, definitely uh, an, an opportunity to get outside. But before that, 4.30, Queer Pasts, Queer Futures Art Launch, and then later on this evening, um, Partha Roy with music and social movements and all kinds of other stuff. Now tomorrow, I don't know how you'll choose. I'm going to start at the bottom because, because then I can read it that way um, when you hover over them. So him sing the community iftar meal. This one offers convocation points as well. It's open to, to anyone um, to come alongside those who are breaking their fast from um, uh, Ramadan observance. And um, Thursdays in black, the first annual blackout, wear black on Thursdays. I tend to wear black a lot and I have to remember to save it for Thursdays now. And the wind ensemble. So many, so many things happening on Friday, Hour to Empower is another uh, event offering convocation points, or at least one point, and then just, just so much more. Next week, let's uh, look at next week. Tuesday and Wednesday morning, we have convocation gatherings, um, the student recognition, and then the intercultural presentation from the Guatemala group. Those are in Lehman Auditorium. They're, they're tucked right in the middle of finals, and they're each worth two points. So if you know friends who are scrambling for convocation points this week, next week, they could get there. Go in peace, honoring one another and our collective voices. Amen.